Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Uh, For some of you, if you're new to Authentic Church, welcome. Uh, We are a Bible-based, Spirit-empowered, presence-driven church, and everything we do is based on the Word of God. Uh, We preach, we teach from the Word of God, even how we worship is based on scriptures out of the Word of God, how the churches run is based on the Word of God, but we're also a Spirit-empowered church. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are for today to bless the body and to expand the kingdom of heaven. And we're presence driven, meaning we we like to linger, if you you can't already tell, we like to linger in the presence of God. By the way, Justin, please keep playing today, I love that. Sometimes, you know, it helps the medicine go down, you know what I mean? And so, um, so we like to linger in the presence of God. Moses said in Exodus 33, he said, God, I don't wanna go somewhere where your presence doesn't go. Your presence, that's the only thing that distinguishes me from somebody else. And for me, as a pastor and as a church, you know, I didn't want to just do church. I didn't want to just plant another church. Orange County doesn't need another church. Orange County needs a move of God. And we need the presence of God. We need the healing touch of God on people's lives. We need anxiety, depression be broken, cancer be gone, marriages be healed, young people know to know their identity in Christ and not be defined by what the world tells them who they are, but by who God says that they are. So we're driven by the presence of God. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go, I don't want to go. That's the only thing that distinguishes us. And you know, church isn't a place where I just physically show up. And I hope you don't just physically show up here either. Church is a place where we spiritually show up and we encounter God. And I know so many have been, have you encountered God in this place today? And many of you have been brought here because you've encountered God. You came here one time and you're like, man, it was something different. And, and uh, I, I know what that's like. I remember the first time I came into a church service that was something like this. And uh, it was really new to me. Uh, I was raised Catholic um, in a great uh, Irish-German Catholic family. Talk about explosions of personality and fire there with the Irish and the Catholics and the, and the Germans and everything, right? And, uh, and so I was raised that way. And I remember coming into a church like this, and man, my eyes were wide. And I'm like, wow, this is a trip. If that woman does another lap with that banner, I think my head's going to spin off. You know what I mean? And... Uh, but you know what? Is you, if you look in the scriptures, you know, our Sunday mornings uh, at church really should look like Sunday morning at SoFi Stadium where people are cheering on the Rams or my Seahawks. God bless them. You know, too often that stadium looks more like what church was if you read in the Old Testament in terms of shouting, blowing trumpets, playing the lyre, playing the instruments, dancing, lifting their holy hands, lifting up a shout of victory. That That's like... We get so excited about young men that'll never know us, yet we don't get excited about the God who created us. So for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. As the pastor of this church, we're passionate about giving God what he deserves, not what I feel like, (laughs) okay? I don't show up here and give him what I feel like. I give him what he deserves. And so we're passionate about worship. So I really wanna encourage you 
If you've not had an extended time in worship and prayer time, I want to invite you to, again, come out on that Wednesday night, August 4th. Put it in your calendar. I promise you, your life will, will not be the same. Matthew 7, are you there? If you're, if you're not there, good news, we got Bibles on the screens for you. Okay, so we thought about you in case, in case you didn't have that. If you're new to the Bible and you physically have one with you, it's going to be towards the back side of the Bible, okay? Um, Matt, Matthew is one of the Gospels. Gospel is good news. It's one of the Gospels that tells the story of Jesus, tells about his life. And in Matthew 7, we're going to pick it up a little bit later in the chapter, but just let me give you the backstory here. Matthew 7 is the conclusion of the famous Sermon on the Mount, okay? So Jesus is speaking to a group of people, and he's sharing all these attributes of what it looks like to live for God. What does it look like? Jesus is forming this new kind of sect, if you will. And he said, I, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And he says, I'm establishing a new covenant. And here's what my new covenant looks like. And so in uh, starting in Matthew 5, he begins this Sermon on the Mount. And you can read it. It'll take you all of 10 minutes. Honestly, Jesus' messages were shorter and better than any message you'll ever hear her here. <laughs> okay. Um, but we'll do our best to get you out of here before two o'clock today um but that's a joke by the way that's a joke you'll be you'll be out of here long before then uh, but you could read literally his most famous sermon uh you can read it in just about 10 minutes and jesus gives this outline and he's like blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are the humble blessed are the meek you know he goes through this whole list of things and then and then he he he, he talks about dealing with anger and and how to process divorce it's in the bible uh, he talks about how to confront your brother. He talks about giving to the needy. He, he shares the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So he shares all of these things. And in that, the conclusion, he shares these words after he's done teaching his master class on what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. At the end of it, he says these words, and it's a promise and a warning for us, by the way, in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 25. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it as wise, like a person who builds their house on the solid rock. I want to pause there for a second. It's not only listening. You can go to church forever. That doesn't make you a Christian. No more than my, uh, you know, sitting in my garage makes me a car, okay? It's, it's about having a relationship with him. And, and he talks about if you have a relationship with me, you're not just going to listen. You're actually going to do what I tell you to do. Like my, my kids, they could hear dad but if they don't obey dad, I'm like, bro, come on, man. Like, you, you know, come on. We, we, we got to put this stuff away or buddy, our dog is going to eat it. You can't leave food down that close to his mouth. He will jump up and grab it. You know what I mean? And so it's one thing to hear. It's another thing to obey. So he says, but anybody who listens to my teaching and actually follows it, you're wise. Got wise people in the room today. You're like a house that's built on solid rock. And though the rain comes, torrents, the floodwaters rise, and the wind beats against that house... Your life's not going to collapse because it was built on bedrock. Verse 26, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, it's foolish. Ouch. Like a person who builds their house on a sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Mighty crash. One thing about storms... <laughs> In life, you're either coming out of a storm, you're in the storm, or you're about to go into a storm. But storms will come to everybody, okay? 
There's a scripture in the Bible that says the rain falls on the just and the unjust, okay? Rain was a sign of blessing. But too much rain at any one given time can wipe you out. And I don't know about you, but I want to build something for the kingdom of God. My question today is what are we building? What are we building? I titled this message Building Materials. Building Materials. If there's any contractors in the room, you're like, building materials have skyrocketed like 400%, right? You know what I mean? I saw somebody the other day, they had this, they had this mean, they had a thing of plywood, and they said, uh, don't, don't lowball me, I know what I got, but I'm willing to trade this for a Ferrari or a Porsche, <laughs> you know, like a, because the cost of building materials have gone up so much. But what are we building? And really, in your life, my question is, what are you building? And what are you building with? We're all building something. We're all going somewhere. At the end of my life, I don't want to look back and think, man, I wish, man, I, oh, God, if only I could have, but I didn't. I don't want to live with that regret. And that thought in terms of what am I building, that's the thought that motivates me. That's the thought that keeps me humble because I don't want to build something based on my own giftings or talents. I want to build something with the Spirit of God for His glory. And so for our lives, be it in business, what are you building? Why are you building that business? In your marriage? What are you using to build your marriage? Because if you're not doing something to build your marriage, that storm will come and it could wipe out that marriage. In your personal life, your, your mental health, what are you building with? What are you doing to stay healthy? What are some things that you're doing to proactively fill your tank? What are you building? What are we building with? Um, my brother's here from the great nation of Texas. Scotty, can you just wave? Scotty and his wife, Rachel. I know, we look like twins. Everybody, everybody says that. I like to refer to him as my little brother, but he's much bigger than me, but younger, maybe wiser than me. But uh, Scotty lives in, in Texas, and uh, he runs a great company, and his wife are just incredible people. And honestly, like, I, I just want to honor you guys. They sow seed and help so many people. And they're the guys behind the scenes that nobody gives credit to. They're not necessarily up on a microphone doing something like this. But through the funding and helping organizations, they're helping with Christian conservative values in this nation. They're one of the business marketplace leaders in their church, helping to support their pastor. So anyways... I love you, bro, and it's so great to have you in the promised land of California, bro. Texas is so flat, you can watch your dog run away for two weeks. I kid you not. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's serious, man. <laughs> it's not a joke. But he's visiting from Texas, and one of the things in Texas, you know, you get a house, and the found, you always need to be concerned about the foundation. You need to know about that here in California as well. But really in Texas, they build these new homes, and it's kind of like, do you really want a new house? Or do you want to buy an old house where the foundation is fully settled and you can go in and remodel? Like, that's always, that's always kind of like the balancing act. Do I want to get something old that has a good foundation, or do I want to get a new something with the new touch of everything, right? And I remember Fawn and I, before we moved out here, we were actually building a house down the street from my brother and his wife in this community called Harvest. And uh, we we're in the process of building a house. And one of the things that they do in Texas is uh, they run this water line all the way around the house that just has kind of like a slow drip of water so that as your house settles, it settles evenly. 
if you don't have something like that, one of the things that they had a problem with is that the house would begin to kind of tip. <laughs> so you had like, you know, you put a quarter on the ground and it would just run down, you know, to the end of the kitchen. And so they thought, oh my goodness. And so all these home builders were getting sued. And so now they, they put it in law that if you build a home, for if you're a home builder, you actually have to put in a warranty for 10 years on the foundation of that home. So if anything happens, brother, you're coming back, you're jacking the house up, you're redoing the foundation. But one of the things that they do around it is they set that water line around it so that you're not one side sagging and one side propped up. For me, the foundation of my life, I don't want to get to the end of my life and found out that there was one side sagging and I propped something up on the wrong side. of You know what I mean? I don't want to be propped up in my life. I don't want things to be off kilter. I want to have a nice, even foundation. And that's what living for Christ does for you, a life that's built by faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6 through 7 says, it's without faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to God, built an ark to save his family. What are we building with? What are we building on? I love the story of Noah because it reminds us to be listeners. we got to have our ears open, especially in the day and age that we live in right now, when it seems like every day it's like a cataclysmic, apocalyptic announcement. You're just going like, my goodness. Like I was driving down the road the other day, and I'm like, I would not be surprised if pigs flew by my car right now, okay? Like there's not much that's surprising me right now. It's just crazy you got to have your ear tuned into the things of God by the Spirit of God. One of the laws of hermeneutics um, is that the, the Word of Jesus is supreme. If you don't know what hermeneutics is, it's a fancy Bible word for basically the really the interpretation and the applications of the Bible. And one of the laws of hermeneutics is that the teachings of Jesus, what he said, what his words are, that's what everything falls underneath. So the teachings of Jesus, everything falls underneath that. So it's good to know what did Jesus say. That's why I encourage you, read the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture that not a lot of people look at and they think, Lord, are you speaking to me about this? And this is the last words of Christ. It's known as the Great Commission. I don't know about you, but but if I was not going to see my loved ones ever again, or maybe for a long time, I'm going to give them some sound teaching advice. I'm going to impart something to them. So Jesus has this moment, and he grabs his disciples together, and he shares with them some things that he wants to instill in them that he is also wanting to instill in you and I today. It's Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Obedience. It's always good to be obedient to what God's telling you to do. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I read this. I I love that this is actually in the scriptures. They worshipped him, but some doubted. I love the fact that Jesus is having his last moments before he ascends into heaven, and he actually chose to spend it with some people that actually still doubted. They, 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 they walked with him. They, they saw him do miracles. Um, not a lot were around him at his crucifixion, but they witnessed his resurrection. 
and he appeared and met with them for 40 days and now he's, he's saying his goodbyes and yet he still chooses to have some people that doubted him. I find comfort in that. And if you're here today and you're kind of doubting some things, I want to encourage you, Christianity is not a faith where you just check your mind at the door and, and you just walk in and just kind of go with it. No, no, no. Some of you are wired in such a way that you have some incredible questions that you want to get answered. I encourage you to get those questions answered. Dive into, read some of those things. If you need to dive into apologetics and really learn, like, did, Jesus, did this guy really live? You're going to have to give an account for what you've been given, and you'll have to give an account for how you took Jesus. Either If, if you have questions, it's up to you. You're a grown adult. It's up to all of us to go and research those things for our own selves, right? I'm not held accountable for everybody. I'm held accountable for Jeff, right? You're going to be held accountable for yourself. So Jesus... He, he meets with them, and then in verse 18, it said, When Jesus came to them, and he said to them this, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth, is given to me. So now he's giving it to them. He says, Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus' final instructions, this is important, because if our lives are not matching with any aspect of these four big characteristics of what he told us to do, my question is, what are we doing? What am I doing? What are we doing as a church? These four instructions that he gives, he says, go. Well, you can't go if you don't listen. When you listen and lean into his voice, he's going to lead, guide, and direct you. For our church, I don't want to just copy-paste what somebody else is doing. For our church, we lean into the Holy Spirit. God, what, what do you want to say to our church? The book of Revelation, Jesus is talking and he shares all these different things about the church here and the church there and the church there. And there was one church in particular, the church of Sardis, that says, you have a reputation for being on fire, but you're not. I don't want to have a reputation for being on fire and not have it burn inside of me. Jesus, what are you speaking to our church? Jesus, what do you want us to, to lean into? What do you want me to teach on, preach on? What, what do you want us to do as a, as a church, as a family? What, what do you want us to do in helping each other? What, what can we do? Leaning in and then going and doing what he tells us to do. And he says, make disciples. I, I asked a few friends of mine that have been living for Jesus for over 20 years. I said, hey guys, I have a question. Just want to know from your standpoint, this, this is not in any judgment. I'm really just asking because I, I, I want to know from, from you, you've been living for Jesus for 20 years. Looking back, how many disciples have you made? And I was like, oof. And I felt that too. I felt that too. Like, how many people am I really impacting? What am I really doing with my life? You can work a great job, you can make some money, take some vacations, buy stuff for your kids, finance different endeavors for the church, and all that stuff is great. There's nothing wrong with that. I love a good vacation. <laughs> you know, we all do, okay? But what are we doing that really ends up impacting the kingdom of heaven? Are we really making disciples? What does that really look like? That's why when my wife gets up here and talks about the connect groups, that's that's really discipleship. That's saying, hey, I, I, want, I want to get to know some people. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn some things out of the Word of God. Might even be a little bit vulnerable and share some of the stuff going on in my life. I might actually say, hey, guys, could you, 
could you, feels uncomfortable, could you pray for me in this area of my life? That's part of discipleship. So make disciples. And then he says, baptize new believers. And today, we have the honor and privilege of baptizing some people that are going all in for Christ. And it's... And honestly, I remember what it was like when I was baptized. Um, my family thought I was nuts. My, you know, I shared, we, you know, we're raised Catholic, and my parents were certain that I got into a cult or something. <laughs> and so I invited them to my baptism, and a few of them came reluctantly, I think, and they're just like, oh, fine, Jeff, just please stop inviting us to things. We'll, fi we'll finally. And I remember feeling so nervous to be baptized because I'm seeing these families, and, like, in my mind, I'm watching all these perfect people go and get baptized, all right? That's not the truth, but that's just how I felt in my mind. I'm watching young kids do it, so I'm like, it's something you do as a young kid. Like, I'm like 21-year-old single dad, okay? Like, I had a child outside of wedlock. It wasn't pretty. I felt a lot of shame. I was not happy with where I was going, but now I'm turning my life around for Christ, and, and I'm going to go all in, so I'm going to do this baptism thing because Jesus said to do it, and so being obedient to Jesus, I'm going to go ahead and say, all right, I'm going all in. And I remember sitting there, and my palms are sweaty, my knees are weak, got spaghetti. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, what? No, it's a, it's a rap song. Don't listen to it. But it was. Um, but I remember getting so nervous, you know. And then I got into the baptismal, and I saw my pastor, and he smiled at me, and uh, he gave me a big hug. And, and it was just this look of the love of Jesus, just saying, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for making a decision to go all in for Jesus. I'm so proud of you. And it's one of the best things. And it's a hallmark of every follower of Christ, every one of us. And I remember going into the waters, and, and it's not like something magical happened. There was, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have doves descend on me like Jesus had. I didn't hear a booming voice from the Lord. But it was just simple obedience. But I tell you what, that was a seal of the covenant between God and me. It was a seal on the covenant. And so I get baptized. Man, I started understanding the Bible more. Like it just started coming alive to me. Like it used to like put me to sleep. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm reading here. You know, you know, fall asleep. You know, and sometimes when you read the Bible, you won't always remember what it said, you know. But it's nourishing your soul. So don't stop reading the Bible just because maybe you don't remember what it said. Keep reading the Bible. I don't remember what I had for breakfast on Tuesday last week, but it nourished my body, you know. You don't always remember it, but it's going to nourish your soul. So he says, go, make disciples, baptize new believers, and teach them the word and the ways of Jesus. Essentially, he's saying, teach them how I taught you. Impart to them how I imparted to you. Bring them along with you as you go about in life and, and help show them. In, in practical terms, that means, hey, Jeff and Fawn, show that, that young couple what marriage looks like. In fact, even show them what fighting and arguing looks like. Show them what making up looks like. Show them what forgiveness looks like. It, it, it means walking that young person through. This is how you balance a checkbook. That's discipleship. This is, how you, this is how you get some legs underneath you and start making wise decisions with your finances. Uh, this is what the Word of God says, opening up the Word of God. This is what the Bible says about this and this. And, and if my life doesn't match what the Word of God says, 
then I'm probably wrong. <laughs> the longer I live, the more wrong I see that I am, right? You know, it's like you, you look at the mirror and it's like, ah, uh, something's off here. But he says, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them the word, the waves of Jesus. Um, I went to the gun range recently uh, because I love exercising my Second Amendment rights. And so I went to the gun range recently, and, and I'm there, and it's just fun, man. We're firing off. I'm, I take one of my girls, uh, my daughters, out on a date, and I teach them how to, how to shoot and different things, and they, they love it. And so we're there, we're shooting, and the range is packed with people. And there's this guy next to me that's got one of those super fancy lasers on his gun, uh, this Viridian laser. I'm somewhat envious of that laser specifically, uh, the Viridian ones. And so, and he's, and he's dialing it in. He's recalibrating the laser so that the sight is lining up with where he's shooting it. So he's like, up. Oh. So he'll shoot a couple rounds. I was off a little bit there. And he takes his gun, he recalibrates some things, and then he lines it up again and again. When you read the Word of God, when you spend time in His presence, when you come to church on a Sunday, it's like you're recalibrating. You say, ah, it's a little off there. Kind of missed the mark. Okay, now we're, now we're dialed in. Okay, now, now go. And I don't want to just, like, shoot off some rounds and not necessarily hit the target when it comes to life. I want my life to matter. I want to build my life on the foundation, on the rock of Christ. I don't want to build with sand. We were at the beach yesterday for the beach day. By the way, uh, you don't have to surf to come to the beach day. Um, I don't surf. I usually just sit in my lawn chair and watch my kids, <laughs> you know, and hang out and talk. Uh, but it was such an awesome time. But there, there were these dudes that were like digging to China, man. They were like, you know, they're they're literally like men, and they're like up to here, and in these big old holes. And that's cool. That hole will get uh, probably got washed up last night um, at the conclusion of the evening when the tide came rolling back in. I don't want to build my life on sand that just gets what I built or what I dug or what I did just gets washed away, man. I want to build my life for something that matters. In the Bible, there's two, um, there's two judgments that are talked about. A lot of people think, I have a relationship with J Jesus. I got my get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, but there's actually two judgments. Theology, good theology would teach you this. And, and the two judgments, there's the judgment, uh, there's, there's the, uh, the great white throne of judgment, which is, are those living for Christ or those not? Do those have a relationship with Jesus and those who don't? And that's where a lot of people think that's the judgment where it ends. But there's actually another judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. You can read about it in Revelation. But essentially, it's, 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 uh, it sounds kind of harsh to call it a judgment seat of Christ. Um, it's really more so looked at in heaven as a reward ceremony. Uh, it's kind of like all the things that you did get added up and uh, it's kind of like the Olympic medals and everybody's clapping and cheering each other on. And for me, at that moment, and for you at that moment, I want you to be able to have something that you go, man, you know what? I was impacted and my life made an impact. I built my life on rock, not on sand. I actually built my life that stood for something and Jesus is like, well done. But there will come an end of days when that judgment will happen. In Matthew 6, 27, Jesus says this. He says, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory. Like, this is really going to happen, y'all. Like, this is, this is actually going to happen. The reality is the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. So my question is, what are we building? What are we doing? 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, but on Judgment Day... 
fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And I'm praying that as I'm sharing this message today, there's something that's stirring inside of you to go, you know what? I've been building with the wrong materials. Uh, I've been build, building with the wrong motives. Not, not to condemn you, that we're convicted, that we go to another level in our relationship with Christ. What are we building with? Uh, there's a place not far from here, a few hours from here called Death Valley. I was just talking with a friend of mine about it yesterday. Death Valley, uh, last week, recorded a temperature of 130 degrees, further reminding us that nobody wants to go to hell, okay? <laughs> recorded a temperature of 130 degrees in Death Valley, okay? Death, they call it Death Valley because nothing really grows there. And, it, and the reason nothing grows there is because it doesn't receive any rain. But in the a winter of 2004, the most incredible thing happened. They had this monsoon that came through and seven inches of rain fell within a short period of time. Just downpour, flooded the whole valley. And as the water subsided, uh, then it returned to what looked like its normal state. But then in 2005, the spring of 2005, the most incredible thing happened. They call it the super bloom. And they discovered that Death Valley wasn't dead because things wouldn't grow there. They said it, they realized that it was dead just because simply there wasn't any nutrients that were hitting and germinating the seeds that had been planted there. And I believe that there's some seeds that have been planted in you that maybe it's been dormant. You know, before God formed you in your mother's womb, before you started, started this whole thing called life, he, he created you with a purpose, a plan, and a destiny. He wants you to know him because he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. It's not for you to do anything, to earn your way to heaven. Like, where's my checklist of boxes and I did this, that, and the other. No, no, He just wants to have a relationship with you. If I came home from work and just walked up to Fawn and gave her a kiss and said, I love you, and then went into a sheet and just checked off, say, I love you to Fawn. Okay, great. And she's like, why are you doing that? And it's like, well, because... Our, our marriage manual here says that I should give you a kiss and say I love you when I get home from work. Uh, would that be much of a love relationship on our marriage? No. I mean, <laughs> way to put the fire out. You know, I mean, like, no woman wants to feel that it's a duty, right? And by the way, women, none of us men, we don't want it to feel like it's your duty. We want you to pursue us and be excited about us when we walk into that house, okay? All the men can thank me later. But I believe that God is watering some of the seeds in this room. That there's greatness inside of you. That you haven't lived this life, done what you've done for nothing. That there's a bigger destiny and a purpose on your life. There's a calling of God on your life. And my question is, are you going to answer that call? Are, are you going to build, are you going to continue to build your own way, doing your own thing? How's that working? <laughs> and even if it's great, it could be so much better with Christ than you know it. You know it. If I get to my, the end of my life, I don't believe this, but if I got to the end of my life and it was just all some joke, and it's just like, nope, there's no such thing as God, he didn't exist, and you just close your eyes, boom, you're, that was it. My life was better off because of how I lived my life and loved my wife and my kids and poured out my life for others. My life would be better because of that, and other people's lives would be better. But if I went to the end of my life 
totally turning my back on the things of God, been given invitation after invitation, invitation after invitation, but I didn't respond to it. And I get to the end of my life and I realize, oh, this is real? You mean that Jesus guy? He really was the son of God? If I live my life apart from him, I get to the end and realize that? Ooh, massive regrets. One way, no regrets. The other way, total regrets. Eternal implications. You say, Jeff, are you trying to get, convince me to become a Christian? Yes. <laughs> You're sitting in a church, man. Okay. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I'm begging. I'm pleading with you. I'm asking you, man, what does your life look like? Would you like to go all in for Jesus? Luke 10, verse 2, Jesus says this. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I'm calling you in because God wants to send you out, okay? I'm calling you into a closer relationship with him because he wants to send you out. Because there's a destiny, there's a purpose on your life that only you can fulfill. There's a testimony that you have that I don't have. And we need your testimony as much as you, you need my testimony, as much as we need your testimony, as much as we need your testimony, Jackson. Everybody in this room has a story to tell and that your story is going to help and set other people free so that they can know Christ, so that they can discover their purpose, so that they can find freedom. What does it look like to really live free? So that they could go out to change the world. Reflecting on my 45th birthday, yes, 45. I know, I know, I look younger, thank you. Why are you laughing? That wasn't even a joke. Reflecting on my birthday, I, I was thinking about men that I look up to in life, and, and God has really blessed me with some incredible people that, man, when, when life got tough, when the storms hit my house, and the rain's beating and the floodwaters are rising, and I'm thinking, I feel like I'm gonna get swept away, I could pick up the phone and call them. I had incredible men in my life that helped me through these. And I, uh, my brother actually sitting here is one of those guys. He helped me get through some challenging stuff in my life. And I thought, what are some characteristics of those guys? And so I listed out some of these characteristics, and my hope is that I live up to these for my children and for you. But I think these are good characteristics that all of us could just take a look in. And so I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna camp out too long on these, but I just wanna give us a few of these. Number one is they're, they were, they're people of prayer. They're people who made their first re, prayer their first response, not their last resort. Too often it was like Mayday, Mayday, 911, where it's like, man, if you just laid a proper foundation in your life, you probably wouldn't have that challenge. If you actually got into a group and got some wisdom on how to work with your finances, you probably wouldn't be dealing with your car getting repoed right now, you know? Um, what are some, which that really happened. So. What are some things? Who are some people in your life that you can go to for prayer? And if you don't have anybody, welcome to Authentic Church. We'd be so honored to pray for you. We'd be honored to stand with you today. So number one, the first thing, they were people of prayer. Number two, they were people of the word. They're people who read the Bible. They didn't just kind of like have the Bible on their coffee table at home and take it out to find a scripture for somebody to write in a birthday card or happy anniversary. No, they were actually people that opened the word of God and as they opened the word of God, they, they suddenly their hearts began to get changed. And, and it's not like they knew all the theology, not, not all of my buddies run in that circle, but man, they were people of the word where they could challenge me, where they could say, uh, Jeff, 
Can I just share a scripture with you? Can I just share maybe a blind spot that you're not seeing that this could help you kind of get out of maybe the situation that you're in? Would you mind if I, yes, please, for the love of God, please share that scripture with me. They were people of the Bible. Uh, Number three, that they were people of godly relationships. Uh, you, You can't do the lone wolf thing. It doesn't work, okay? 2020 taught everybody in this world a few things. Number one, we're all gonna die. At some point, it's gonna happen. Uh, there's a 100% probability that we're all gonna die at some point, okay? And number two, we need relationships. We need people around us. It's one thing to go and be alone. It's another thing to be isolated, okay? I got five kids. I know what it feels like when you just want some alone time. I want some me time, okay? Like, I get that. We all need some me time, okay? It's another thing to be lonely and be isolated. And God didn't create you that way. That's why depression is on spiked on the rise, antidepressants through the roof, anxiety, suicides. There were, there's more people in 2020 that committed suicide in Japan than died of the coronavirus. That's from the CDC, by the way. Because we're not designed to be alone. We're designed to have relationships. So godly relationships, they help you weather the storm. Number four, another attribute of these men that God placed in my life that I'm grateful for is they're generous, man. And, and not just with their finances. I'm not just talking about that. But they're generous with their time, their talents, and their resources. Um, I love people that are around me that know stuff that I don't. Like my brother, he's a big-time hunter. I'm just not. Like he'll go out. He's got like a few thousand acres that he goes and shoots and kills stuff on, okay? Um, and and people are like, oh, my gosh, you do that? in tech? Dude, if you don't, the hogs will take over the land and the cows won't be able to graze, okay? So you have to shoot those things sometimes, okay? And eat the meat. Roast it up. Or leave it for the coyotes, whatever. But my brother, I don't have, I, I don't have a background doing that. Um, and I don't even, it doesn't wake me up in the morning. It wakes my brother up. So he took me out one time shooting and hunting. We stayed up all night and we didn't shoot anything, you know. But we just had a good time together. We need people in our lives that are generous with their time and their talents and their resources. I have another buddy of mine going through a a financial hardship, and uh, I didn't know how I was going to have Christmas for my family. Uh, Literally, we went from making incredible money, a lot of stuff happened that I won't go into, but, you know, we found ourselves literally living by receiving a box of food every week from the church. How's that for a slice of humble pie? And I'm not not sure what I'm going to do for my kids for Christmas. I'm thinking, thank God we have grandma and grandpa, okay? (laughs) Because Santa Claus ain't doing too well this year, okay? And I remember showing up after church and it kind of weighed on me, but I didn't let Fawn see it because I don't want to break down because I'm trying to be strong, you know? And I walk up to our front door and there's a card from a buddy of mine and a bunch of presents and gift cards. Like, I think it was like six or $700 worth of gift cards that they blessed our family. And I just lost it, man. I just lost it. People that are generous with their time, their talents, their resources. What a blessing. We need people like that. I want to be somebody like that. Generosity. And the fifth element is they were ev- they're evangelistic. Uh, the guys that I most admire, they're ones that, that pray for others. They're the ones that share their faith. They're the ones that aren't afraid to say, hey, man, I feel like uh, I need to pray for you. Like they would just do that to the waiter or the waitress at at the restaurant or when they're going about their day or the person at the gas station or even the person they work with, uh, they would just stop and say, hey, I hope this isn't uncomfortable, but I I just feel like you need, is there something you need prayer for? 
I'd be so honored to pray for you. I don't know what your faith is. I'm a Christian. Um, do you need prayer for something? And it's amazing to see what happens in that moment. My son, River, who's sitting in the front row and I, we were, uh, River and I, we were uh, going to get Chinese food one night. We were over in Palm Desert for a few days having a little R&R &R as a family. And uh, we went and grabbed some Chinese food and, and the restaurant was still shut down. So we were just grabbing it to go. And we were going there and River was like, Dad, I feel like we should pray for somebody when we get there. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm thinking we're gonna share Jesus with the, with the people that own the Chinese food restaurant. And so we go there and there's a guy that walked in and he's got his mask on and, and he's kind of standing off in the corner. And I get it, you know, there's some people that really battle a lot of fear. And, and, and so I don't, I don't look light at that, you know. And so just kind of giving the guy some space. And uh, so River says, Dad, I think that's the person we're supposed to pray for. It's the only guy in the Chinese food restaurants, us and him, right? And so I'm like, okay, and right now? And he goes, yeah. So I'm like, what do you think we should go? I don't know. I think we should just go ask him for prayer. So River and I walk over there, and, and so I just said, hey, man, how you doing? And he's like, you know, doing good. I said, you live here, small talk, right? And I'm just like, cut to the chase, because he's going to get his food and walk out. So I just want to like go for the gold, you know, it's like, I'm going to just ask him, I'm going to step across the uncomfortable line, uh, you can feel it kind of like, is this going to be awkward, like the guy's clearly standoffish with any human being, um, by his body language, man, you know, my son and I were over there, and he just felt like, uh, we needed to come over and pray for you, is there anything that you need prayer for, dude just started bawling, boom, and he says, uh, how old's your son, I said 12, he goes, yeah, I got a 12 year old son, I haven't seen him for months, mom and I are in the middle of a divorce, I don't, of course, of course somebody would walk up to me, and of course God would send me somebody right now, that was his words, of course God would send me somebody, and uh, so we get to talk, and we pray for him, and, and bless him, you just never know what somebody's going through, and how you can be a blessing to them, I loved hearing from my, my new friend Dave, sitting in the back, Dave, Dave was sharing the story, after service, they go over to Dick Church's restaurant across the freeway, which is an awesome place for lunch, and so Dave goes over there, and he's coming around the corner, and he felt like he was supposed to go and ask this kid for prayer. There was this kid that's kind of having a moment with his mom, and Dave walked past and goes in, but he just kind of felt that knocking on his heart, you know, where the Lord's like, are you going to respond? Because I'm not going to let this go, like, you know, and it's so annoying, right? You know, like, I just want to go eat, Lord, but he's like, nope, nope, nope. And so Dave finally goes back, and he's like, all right, if he's there, I'll go and pray for him. So he comes back around the corner, and there's the kid. It's Father's Day, and the young man doesn't have a dad with him. And Dave just offers to pray for him, and he prays for him, and the kid's just touched emotionally, and the mom says, and it was the mom or the grandma, she just said, that meant so much. He's having a really hard time. Thank you so much. You just never know. So again, the, the five areas, just if anybody's taking notes, prayer, Bible, godly relationships, generosity, and being evangelistic. Going back to Matthew 7, 24, the words of Jesus, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on the rock. And I just want to read a few scriptures to you out of the Bible that pertain to you and your relationship with Jesus. It's the invitation that I feel like God led me to go over these scriptures and declare them and then we're going to have an awesome time because we're going to actually conclude this service and we're going to go baptize people. And I just want to ask this question. Is this speaking to you? 
is God speaking to you today in this message? 1 Timothy 2.4, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's the will of God. Some people are like, Lord, I pray if it be thy will, it's his will, okay? God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Romans 10.13, this promise is for you today. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Everyone will be saved. If anybody needs to call in the name of the Lord Jesus today, everyone will be saved. You'll be saved. In Acts 2.38, Peter preaches this awesome message. He didn't even write it himself. He ripped it from the Old Testament prophet Joel. And he recites this message, and then all these people are like, man, what do we need to do? I, I feel like I want to get right with God. I'm, I'm like, like we're sitting here in a church service, a gathering, and you're like, man, it's just piercing your heart as I'm sharing today. And you feel like the Holy Spirit's just knocking on you saying, it's your day to be baptized. So what do they do? What, what do we do? And Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then later on in the book of Acts, Acts 22, 16, says this, what are you waiting for? <laughs> what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. What are you waiting for today? What are you building on? What are you building your life with? I'm just going to go ahead and close this out in prayer today if you would just whatever having a moment of prayer looks like for you. Sometimes I like to close my eyes because I feel like I see better spiritually when I close my eyes free of distractions. My question is this, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Are you ready to build your life on the rock of Jesus Christ? Are you ready to stop living, building your own thing, doing it your own way? Are you ready to go all in for Jesus? If the answer is yes, I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. And it's just us verbalizing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. But Jesus didn't call us to pray a prayer and become a convert to Christianity. He called us to be sold out disciples who've been baptized, water baptized, living for him. So I don't want to just encourage you to buy into Christianity. I, I really want to encourage you to be sold out. Like sold out for Jesus. Like when you drive out of this parking lot, your life is forever changed, sold out. That it's a brand new you. It's a brand new future. It's a brand new eternity. It's a brand new season. That you're, it's not, Jesus didn't come to give you a better life. He came to give you a new life. And you need resurrection power in a new life with him today. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to invite us all to just pray this prayer after me. It's a prayer of salvation, and I kind of liken it to when you go to a wedding, and the pastor will get up and kind of share the wedding vows, and the husband repeats them, and the wife repeats them, and, and they're joined together. This, this is kind of that prayer of joining together with Jesus. So I'm just going to invite us all as a church, if you're praying this for the first time or the hundredth time, we're going to pray it aloud together as a church family. Just pray this after me. Jesus, I need you. I don't want to build my life on my own. I surrender to you. I need your forgiveness. 
wash me clean, make me new. I believe that you're the son of God, that you rose in that third day for forgiveness of my sins, that I might have eternal life. So I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Come and fill me fresh and new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I declare that I will live for you all the days of my life and dwell in your house forever. From this day forward, I'm going all in for you. Amen. 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 Come on. If you prayed that prayer today, if you prayed that prayer today from your heart, and it was your first time praying it, or it's your hundredth time praying it, but you really mean it, maybe life's taken some unique turns, and this is a coming back to you, welcome back home. If you don't have a church, welcome home. If you don't have a pastor, I'd be honored to be your pastor. Every person needs a pastor. Every pastor needs a pastor, okay? Every one of us, we need pastors, people in our life. Not to control us, just to be a help to us. To serve, to love us, to help us build our life on the rock of Jesus. Amen? So today, my question to you is, if you prayed that prayer and you haven't been water baptized, today's your day. We have t-shirts for you and we have towels, okay? So if you came here and you didn't plan on this today, uh, we have stuff for you, and you can just take it and have it, okay? Um, it's yours. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a prayer and worship night, and we had a number of people that heard kind of a similar call to repentance and life in Christ as this, who went all in for Jesus, and they had just come from work. We had a nurse that showed up in her scrubs. We had people that came here from work, uh, and they just said, I feel like God's telling me to be baptized. And they, in fact, is there some of them that are in here that were baptized at that Wednesday night? Liz, Stephen, come on. Antoinette, if you're here today and you're like, I'm ready to go all in, or you're here today and you're like, I need to make a fresh commitment to Christ and be baptized, we're going to baptize, okay? And it's going to be an awesome party. So we're not concluding the service. We're just transferring our service now outside because the loving people at Vanguard University would rather us not bring a baptismal tank filled with water into their beautiful chapel, okay? So we're going to transition outside. If you would like to be baptized, and I'm serious about this, if you made a fresh dedication to Christ, today is your day, and you're like, you know what, I want to be baptized. I'm going to do this. We have t-shirts for you. Um, my wife and I would be so honored uh, to be part of your journey with Christ. And, uh, and so for any guys that need a t-shirt, I'll help you. My wife will get you a t-shirt. Um, we have tons of them, and uh, we'd be so blessed. There's, uh, I believe that there's some food outside or something for people to kind of hang out with while we're setting up and people are changing. Yeah, we have donuts today for the celebration. That'll be out. Um, I also wanted to say if you have any prayer needs, we all have prayer needs, we will have our prayer team along the side out here. They have the lanyards. Um, actually, if you don't mind raising your hand, Tony and Jody. Um, and jo Yeah, you could even stand where you are. Susan, yes, we're going to, these ladies and myself or Jeff, any of us will be able to pray with you. Um, we don't want you to leave here without uh, having somebody pray, yeah, pray with you. So, um, yeah, we'll see you out there.
Awesome. Well, can we just give God praise for what he's done today? Come on. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.